1: This morning you got me, so you got the wish.com version. I ordered a Stanley Harvey. i got this Ben Finn for some reason. So don't call the complaints line. That's all right. Just let him have a rest. But if we go to the Word of God, if we could all be upstanding as we read the Word of God. And go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. And first I'm going to read from the King James version then I'm going to read from the version in English (laughs) so in the King James version it says furthermore then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so ye would abound more and more. Now in the uh, NLT, I like this version, it puts it a bit more plain English for a simple mind like myself. And it says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. Say, live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, who taught them? The apostles, they taught them, the teachers, the, the pastors. We need spiritual leadership. Amen. We need the five-fold ministry. You live this way already. Some of you think, oh, I already live this way, I already live in a way that pleases God. And we encourage you to do so even more. Say even more. Turn to your neighbor and say, live even more for God. Amen. So we encourage you to do so even more. This morning with the Lord's help, I want to share on this thought, go further. Go further. Turn to your neighbour and say, go further. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your travelling mercy, for those that have Been coming back from conference in Canberra and having your hand upon them. We pray for those, Lord, that are still coming back, Lord, that you'll give them traveling mercy as well and, Lord Jesus, bring them back safely. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the conference and the the messages and the blessings, Lord, that we received there. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we move into this new year, Lord Jesus, that you will be with us, Lord. And help us, Lord, to live for you, Lord. And help me to preach your word this morning, Lord. Anoint my lips, Lord Jesus. And help me to deliver this message, Lord, in a way that you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord as you go down and are seated. Hallelujah. Happy New Year, everyone. Praise the Lord. It was great. If you were here for our New Year's service as we ushered in the New Year on New Year's Eve, we had um, two baptisms, I believe, didn't we? Two baptisms on the New Year's service. I think we had another four or five baptisms in the morning. So it was wonderful to uh, see so many baptisms already just as the uh, new year end, or the old year ended and the new year began. We also had uh, our brother Pvi get the Holy Ghost on New Year's Eve, that was good. Praise the God. Praise God. He got it within minutes because those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Amen. And He knew what He wanted. He wanted the Holy Ghost, and God gave it to Him there and there. And um, why did people celebrate this time as the New Year? Why is it that we, you know, why did they pick this date? These ancient peoples decided, oh, we'll just pick this time of the year to be the new year. Well, where it comes from is in the northern hemisphere at the moment, or it was on December 22nd at least, it was the winter solstice. So it's in the northern hemisphere, it's winter at the moment because the sun is sort of over the southern hemisphere a bit more than it is over the equator it's come down to the southern hemisphere so it's warmer in the south and it's colder in the north and on december 22nd it was winter solstice and what does that mean you kind of, what kind of mumbo jumbo woo woo are you talking about all that means is that it was the shortest day of the year the sun rose and the sun set and was only up for a, the smallest amount of hours for the day in the northern hemisphere for us In the Southern Hemisphere, it was the opposite. The sun came up and set and gave us the longest day of the year. We had more sunlight. The sun was up longer than any other day of the year on December 22nd. And that's called summer solstice. And because of this marker, because they were able to know what's the longest day or what's the shortest day of the year, it gave them a signpost that gave them some sort of milestone that they could work from to understand when the new year began they go well we know that this day this same long day or this same short day occurred 365 days ago so we'll celebrate this as our new year and that's why they picked the winter solstice now you're thinking but that's december 22nd why is it january 1st that's because of calendars and people arguing and people changing things and eventually it shifted and moved about a week or two later but never mind but somewhere around the solstice that's why we celebrated that time now the jews they don't celebrate rosh hashanah is actually a different time of year it's more around the equinox there you go. what's the equinox that's where the amount of sunlight in the day and the amount of night time is exactly the same. It's even Stephen. So it's that middle mark. You get one in autumn and you get one in spring. And their one is around the, the autumn equinox, which symbolises their sort of harvest time and so forth. And so they celebrate at Rosh Hashanah. But it's just some sort of mark. It's just to sort of give us an indication of we've gone around the sun another year. We've done another circuit. We've done another lap. It's time to do it all again. And, you know, we have these cycles. We have these seasons. Unless you're in the tropics, then you have two seasons. But if you're away from the tropics a bit further, you get four seasons. And if you're away even further still, you just get really, really long winters. But often New Year's is a time that we make New Year's resolutions. Who's ever made a New Year's resolution? We make all these decisions that we're going to lose weight. We're going to get fitter. We're going to save some money. We're going to quit bad habits. You know, you know, people they're always quitting smoking or quitting vaping. I like the way these people that they, they, they vape and they think, "Oh no, it's but it's better than smoking." It's like saying, oh no, I'll just shoot myself with a bow and arrow instead of a gun. (laughs) I'm using strychnine as a poison, not cyanide, so I'm just it's better. (laughs) Yeah, any time you're putting smoke or chemicals into your lungs, not good. Not good, so vaping, not good. There was a case in the States that came out, uh, they did some research on it. A guy that was uh, vaping, he ended up with mould in his lungs. So if you want mould in your lungs, keep vaping. Anyway. (laughs) But it's this time of year that we often make these resolutions because we can use it as a marker, as a signpost that we go, okay, this year, it's a fresh start, I'm going to start again. I'm going to start to do all these things that will make me a better person or stop doing these things that will help me to be a better person, a healthier person, a better Christian perhaps. Maybe I'm going to pray more. Maybe I'm going to read the Bible every day. However, as February rolls around in four weeks' time or three weeks' time now, we often find that many of these resolutions are broken. One week in, we're like, I'm going to give up chocolate. And then a couple of Cadbury bars down, in our shame and regret, covered in sweet brown on our lips, this chocolate in our stomach, we decide, oh well, we give up. And then we're back to the way we were the year before. But let's make a change. Let's make a change. Let's do something. Let's go further this year, amen? Let's go further this year. We just came back from General Conference, as we said, in Canberra. Some of you were also there. We had about 1,500, about 1,500 in most of the services. Praise God for that. I remember going to conferences and there were 700. So it's certainly doubled since the time I first started attending conference. But it'd be great to see that place, that hall that we had it in, fits 2,400 in Canberra. I'd, I'd love to see that place filled to the brim next year, amen? It'd be great if every one of us could make it down to Canberra or as many of us as possible could make it down there for a few of the services at least and fill that place to the brim, amen? But it was a wonderful atmosphere. We saw the Holy Ghost move. And many filled with the Holy Ghost, especially in the the children's church services. And the presence of God was there. The messages were inspiring, they were provocative. There was anointed preaching, anointed music. It was great to be able to fellowship with brothers and sisters from around Australia. So try to plan to make it there next year. It can be tiring, but then again, so is the gym. And people pay a lot of money for gym memberships, so... They get tired in a good way. But this is tired in an even better way. Amen? This will get you spiritually fit and spiritually revived. And speaking of tired, our brother Greg Hackathorn, he taught in one of the sessions and he, he, he said something that really stuck out to me, and made me think. He talked about burnout. And we kind of overplay burnout sometimes. Now, I'm not saying we need to rest. We, we physically need to rest we're unfortunately we're in this we're limited by our flesh we're limited by the bones and muscle and brain and all these things that we need to keep operating we need sleep sleep is important i know people say sleep is for the weak, but if you don't get enough sleep you'll probably end up with a mental illness so sleep sleep is good jesus slept If Jesus slept, you should sleep. (laughs) Remember they had to wake him up on the boat? He's like, why'd you wake me up for? We need to sleep. We need rest. We need time off sometimes. But sometimes we use burnout as an excuse. Sometimes we can overplay it. And it can prevent us. It can become a barrier in us achieving what we are truly capable of. We can use burnout as an excuse to prevent us from really testing our limits and stretching ourselves from achieving the things that God wants us to achieve. What humans are physically capable of is sometimes astounding. What you are capable of is sometimes astounding. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're capable of more. Point to yourself and say you're capable of more. And while in Canberra, I had a chance during the conference, uh, on some downtime during the conference, to take one of my sons to the war memorial, to the Australian War Memorial. He's into planes and stuff like that. and He's showing me this gun and going, oh, you know, Dad, this gun's water-cooled. How do you even know that? And... I love to, the thing I like about the war memorial is the dioramas, the models of, you know, the battles and you get to see what it kind of looked like on on the battlefield at that time and what the soldiers endured and went through. And one of the things that has always struck me about World War Two is the Kokoda Track and hopefully one day I can uh, get to walk it. Uh, just support my GoFundMe page. No, I'm just, I don't have one. You'll look and there's not one there. You can set up one if you want. but and This is a 100-kilometre track over extreme mountainous terrain. It covers muddy tropical rainforests with malaria carrying mosquitoes biting you and leeches. and It's steep. It's terrible. It's tiring. And Australian troops, with the help of local Papuan people, battled the Japanese army that had set up on the north side of the island. And uh, it's good to see my, uh, my mate Danny Abdul Rahman and his wife Shantae and his, and his kids and his mum, my auntie Louisa, who brought me up along with my other, my real mum. She was like my second mum. I spent enough time at her house. And uh, it's good to see her this morning. And she grew up at the head of the Kokoda Track, the start of the Kokoda Track, right near there and in Papua New Guinea. And so the Australian troops, with the help of local Papuan people, battled the Japanese army. And this Japanese army had pushed so close to Port Moresby, they came within 50 kilometres of Port Moresby. And between July and November 1942, the Australian forces fought to prevent the Japanese from reaching Port Moresby and then pushed them back over the Owen Stanley Range. And once the Australian troops got to Kokoda on the other side of the mountains, they fought the Japanese and pushed them back to the coast. And more than 600 Australians died during the Battle of Kokoda. And more than 1,600 were wounded. But over 10,000, 10,000 Japanese died from January 1942 to January 1943 in the Battle of Kokoda. In fact, Colonel uh, General Douglas MacArthur complained that the Australians didn't lose enough lives in the battle. He complained that because they didn't lose enough lives, they mustn't have fought hard enough. What a ridiculous thing to say. And this track, it's extreme terrain. It reaches... A height of 2,490 metres at Mount Bellamy. It goes up and down, up and down in these sort of 10 rises and dips, rises and dips. There's hot, humid days with intensely cold nights. There's torrential rainfall. The risk of tropical disease such as malaria. Hiking this trail normally takes between four 12 days the fastest recorded time is 16 hours and 34 minutes which is crazy since 2001 six people have died walking the track just walking the track no guns no military no army uniforms from the 1940s no japanese trying to fire at them just walking the track six people have died however in 2009 A man by the name of Don Vale completed the track at the age of 83. I know 70-year-olds that can't walk up the street. This guy walked the Kokoda track at 83. Kurt Fernley, who was a Paralympian, completed the track also in 2009 and did so without the use of his legs. He crawled the entire 100-kilometre track. Crawled. It's amazing what people are capable of. If they can do that without the Holy Ghost, what can we do in our physical body with the power of the Holy Ghost within us? What can we do? What are we capable of if God is with us? Amen. If we have that dunamis power, that explosive power of the Holy Ghost within us, Amen. You need to stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost, you need to go further. You need to see how much God can do in your life and see what you're truly capable of. Amen. Stop making excuses. I'm preaching. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. Maybe I'm the only one that limits myself. For the job of a soldier or a sports person They need to be temperate in all things. Just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. That means, you know, he doesn't eat 24 Big Macs every day. Now they that do it obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I remember David Bernard at a conference in Melbourne at Williamstown preaching about a member of his church in Austin who was in the symphony orchestra. One, one of the members of his church was in the symphony orchestra. And he was saying how it's important that we have people in the church from all walks of life. Amen? That, you know, that's all obviously walks of life that are compatible for living for God. don't necessarily want you know crime bosses we want ex-crime bosses in the church we want crime bosses to come to church to give up being a crime boss and there's other jobs as well that you know we need to see God you know deliver people from but the church should have people in all different roles in society amen we should be represented throughout all the community different circles. We need members of the symphonic orchestras. We need different types of people, different roles, different walks of life. We need CEOs. Thank God we've got a CEO. He's not here this morning. We've got an ex-CEO as well. But <laughs> Thank God we have them in our church. Thank God we've got some mechanics. We've got some electricians. We've got some professional athletes. We've got plumbers, we've got plasterers, we've got forklift drivers. Put up your hand if you're a forklift driver. No one? Thank God I was a forklift driver once, eh? Sing out for the forklift drivers. I'm still trying to find my license somewhere. It's, I don't know if it's expired. It didn't have a date on it. NDIS workers nurses thank god we have we had one man sick we had nurses just flying in from everywhere there was there's was a flood of nurses thank god we have so many nurses in our church amen doctors we have a doctor in the church praise god for that we have a couple of doctors i think we have homemakers important important job we have teachers we have soldiers we have Junior sports coaches, we have MPs, we have accountants, we have employees at birth, deaths, and marriages. Thank God for the public servants. We need spirit filled people, one God believing, Jesus' name baptized, people in all facets of society. Amen. God has placed you where you are for a purpose, for a reason. You need to be a light wherever you are, amen? Lydia of Thyatira, Lydia, we know that she was the first convert in Philippi. She was a seller of purple. Do you know that purple, the way that they would make the dye, the purple dye, they would have to get shells and and grind them down of this special kind of shellfish and grind those shells down to make the dye, the blue dye, and then mix that with the the red dye to make purple. So it was an expensive fabric. It was an expensive thing. Lydia, she was doing all right. She was a, a businesswoman and she hosted a church in her house in Philippi. She was the first convert in europe in philippi we need sellers of purple we need business people amen luke chapter 8 verse 3 talks about joanna the wife of huza her husband huza was the steward or the treasurer to herod Antipas. he was a public servant but a well-paid one and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. They supported the ministry of Jesus with their giving. They were financial sponsors of the work of Christ. We need financial sponsors. Amen. We need givers. Amen. And she was a giver, Joanna. She helped in the, the work of the Lord. Paul, when he wasn't Being an apostle, sometimes he had to be a tent maker. Thank God for the builders in church. Amen. Thank God we have some builders. We have chippies. We have bricklayers. Luke was a doctor. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. It takes all kinds. Unless the Lord speaks to you otherwise for his reasons then keep being whatever you are and do it for His glory. Amen? Whatever you're doing, do it for His glory. If you're in a particular role, then be a shining light in that role. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Amen? If you're a cleaner, if that's your job, do that job as though you were working for the Lord. You might think your boss is the worst boss known to mankind. Doesn't matter. Do it unto the Lord. Amen. Do it unto the Lord. Be a good witness. Be a shining light. If you're in a role that's public facing, maybe you're an athlete, something like this, a professional sports person, whatever it is, make sure that the way you live, make sure that you're living for Christ, that you're a living walking epistle amen read and seen by all men whatever job you're in people are watching you be a light in this dark world be a light in this dark world whatever it is that you do do it as unto the Lord amen God has placed you there for a reason God has put you there for a purpose You're the only one that can reach your workmates. You're the only one that can reach the people around you that you influence, that you're in contact with. Be a light in darkness, amen? Go further. It takes all kinds. About 20 years ago, I was working at this place in my job and I was on this seven-day, we were making undersea cable and we're on a seven-day rotating roster. So we'd work seven and have four off. But the first day was sleeping. <laughs> so I used to work two-day shifts, a 12-hour and a seven-and-a-half-hour day or eight-hour day. Then I'd work two AVO shifts, starting at three, finish at 11. Then I'd work at 11-to-7 shift overnight. And I didn't know my name after a while. I didn't know what day it was i had my sleep patterns were all out of whack i was really i didn't really like that job the job itself was was cool it was easy there were brothers there from church as well working there shout out to pastor Paul farlay but i couldn't handle it anymore so i quit the job i couldn't handle the shift work i gave up and about a month after i quit the company announced that all the workers were getting redundancies. <laughs> Missed out on about I don't know I had ten grand. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we need to stick at things. Amen. Sometimes we we quit too early. Sometimes we give up too easily. We need to make sure that in our walk with God, we never give up, amen? That we don't give up too easily. We don't quit too early. We don't know what God has for us just around the corner, just over the horizon. If we just fight a bit more, if we just stick in there a bit longer, if we just go a little further, God has something in store for you, amen? Just stick at it. Turn to your neighbour and say, don't give up. Don't quit too early. Don't pack in and throw in the towel too early. God has something for you. Hold on just a little longer. Go just a little further. God will come through for you just in time. Not when you think you should, but when it's the right time. In Mark 1, 16 to 20, it says, Now as Jesus, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They were fisher people. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straight away they forsook their nets, And followed him. And when he had gone a little further hence, say a little further. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straight away he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Jesus wasn't just happy getting Simon and Andrew to join his full-time ministry crew. He went a little further. He went a little further and he got another couple of brothers, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and they joined the crew also. Multiplication is waiting for you if you just go a little further in God. Just go a little further. Let's go further, church, amen? Let's go, who believes that? Amen? We need to go a little further. It's funny, though, how we see some of his crew that he called these fisher, fishers that he called a few years earlier who had been with him in the greatest ever Soul Winners Boot Camp for three years, the best university that you could ever go to, no hex. Here they are, but... This is them not in their best form. In Matthew 26, we see later on, a few years later, in verse 36, then comes Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and says unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then he said unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus is calling us to go with him a little further. He went a little further to get deeper in prayer, to prepare himself for his greatest ever moment. Let's not be asleep when Jesus is calling us to watch with him. We need to watch and pray. We need to watch and pray. In 2024, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Don't be asleep in the light. Miracles don't occur when things look possible. Let me repeat that. Miracles don't occur when it looks possible. It's not like when, the, when it's obvious and it looks like it's going to occur and then it happens and you go, oh, that's a miracle. No, that's not a miracle. A miracle is when it looks Impossible when it looks like something shouldn't happen, when it looks like it's against all odds, there's no way that this could happen. That is called a miracle. God doesn't give you a promise. Thank you, sister, for the word this morning. God doesn't give you a promise for something that looks like it's obviously going to happen. or that it's going to happen in the next five minutes. That's not the purpose of him giving you a promise. He doesn't need to give you a promise for something that's just going to obviously occur. He will give you a promise for something that you need to wait for him. Something that you need to hold on to. He's given you that promise when it looks like all hope is lost. He's given you that promise for something to hold on to, amen? Something that you can hold on to when it all looks impossible. When it looks like there's no way that this could happen. That's why God has given you a promise, amen? So that you can hold on to that. So that you can hold on to that and not give up. It's not as though they turned up at the border of the promised land after they had made their exodus from Egypt. And that time they were supposed to go into the promised land, the first time that the Israelites, after they had made the exodus from Egypt, you know, they're dancing, they're celebrating after they get across the Red Sea. Miriam's got the tambourine out. They're having a party on the other side. They're dancing and singing. They're happy to be out of Egypt. They're happy the guys that were chasing them are now swimming, maybe. Not a lot of swimming lessons in those days, unfortunately. So they're celebrating on the other side of the Red Sea. They're happy they've made it out of Egypt. And then they get to the promised land. It's called the promised land Because God promised they were going to go into it and possess it. But God promised it to them. God had to give them the promise because guess what? There were people already there. The Canaanites. And the Canaanites, God didn't like the stuff they were doing. Child sacrifice, this kind of stuff. They weren't really doing good things in the land. However, it's interesting if you study the word of God, God says to them that if Canaanite tribes convert and follow the ways of God, then the the Jews should, you know, link up with them. But it was the Canaanites that were still doing the idolatry practices, they were still worshipping the false gods. These were the ones that was because of that reason that God was going to promise it. But he already promised this land to Abraham anyway. He already promised it to their forefathers. And so when they turn up at the promised land, guess what? There's no welcoming party. There's no red carpet. There's no brass band. Hey, welcome to Canaan. Come and take our land. It's all yours. No, they turn up. They send 12 spies into the land. And what do they see? Giants, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. The food's giant, but so are the people. There's no way we can possess this land. Of course, it looks impossible. That's why God gave them a promise. So that when they faced the giants, they knew God was with us and we can take him. And Joshua and Caleb, they were the two that knew that God could do it but the other 10 gave an evil report. Amen? And so they didn't enter in for 40 years. That generation had to die out, and it took them another 40 years to enter into the promised land. This is why God gives us a promise. When it looks impossible, God gives us a promise. Amen? That is the word of God we need to hold on to. Some of you are happy with what you've achieved. You've crossed the Red Sea and you're happy with that. You're dancing on the other side of the Red Sea. Yeah, got the tambourine out. I'm happy I've made it. Yeah, I'm out of Egypt. But you haven't gone to the promised land yet. You haven't finished the journey. You need to go further, amen? You need to go further to that which God has promised you. In 2024, let us go further. This year, go further in your walk with God. Go further in your ministry. Go further in your prayer life. Go further in your reading and study of the Word of God. Go further in your faith. Go further in your spirituality. And what I mean by spirituality, fuck it, call the musicians up, please. What I mean by spirituality is the fruit of the Spirit. We think spirituality, we get it mixed up sometimes. We think spirituality is, you know. (sighs) I'm seeing into your soul. I know every sin you've committed. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. We need the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But that's not spirituality. Spirituality is not spiritual intimidation. Spirituality is love. Spirituality is joy. Spirituality is peace. Spirituality is kindness. Spirituality is Gentleness, spirituality is humility, meekness, spirituality is faithfulness, spirituality is self-control, spirituality is these things, it's the fruit of the Spirit. You need to go further in faithfulness. That fruit of the Spirit, faith, is faithfulness. And we think faithfulness now, it's good. We need to, It's good to be together with the brothers and sisters. As, as often as we assemble, we should try to make it to church and to meeting together with the brethren. This will strengthen us. It will help us in our walk with God. We receive teaching and preaching. We get to worship God and praise God together as a church. That's very important. But faithfulness doesn't end there. In fact, faithfulness is more about having integrity. It means when you promise someone something, you do it. It means that your actions and your words line up. You're not a hypocrite. That when you say you're going to be somewhere, when you say you're going to do something, that you show up, that you do it. And if you can't, you own up to your mistake. You apologize. You make amends. You go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I couldn't do that. I'm... And you try to do better next time. You don't just go, oh well, they're a Christian, they've got to forgive me. I'll just. <laughs> yes, that may be true, but. There's an obligation on you. There's a responsibility on you. If you want to be a Christian, if you want people to take you seriously, if you want to be an example, you need to back up what you say, amen? You need your actions and your words to line up and you need to be a person of your word. That when you say you're going to do something, you do it. You need to be faithful in your relationships, Husbands, wives, faithful in your marriages, faithful to your children, faithful to your bosses, faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ, faithful to pay your bills, faithful in all areas of your life, faithful, faithful. You need to have integrity, amen. We need to own up to our faults, make genuine efforts to improve. Like I said, this year, we need to go further. We need to go further. We need to go further in spiritual gifts. If you could all be upstanding, please. We need to go further in spiritual gifts and thank God for the, the tongues, the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning and you can speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. That's not the gift of tongues. That's not the gift of tongues. That is a sign that you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a different purpose for spiritual tongues. The gift of tongues is a message For the edification of the church, not for self edification, the edification of the church. And we saw that this morning and we had the tongues and it should always be followed by the gift of interpretation of tongues. And thank God for these two gifts. And thank God we've got people that are used in these gifts. But we need to see people step out into other gifts of the Spirit. Amen. We can't be just stuck with tongues and interpretation, as good as that is. And thank God for that. Confirm my word this morning. But we need to see people step out into the working of miracles, the gifts of healing, the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. We need to see people start to step out into these other gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy. We need to see people start to take that bold leap of faith, amen, and step out into these gifts of the Spirit. Pray, pray for the best gifts, amen, the Bible says. This year go further in your walk with the Lord and what you can do in the kingdom of God. Make that promise to yourself that I'm gonna go further. Say, I'm gonna go further. I'm gonna go further. If we could get First Thessalonians 3.10 up on the, the screen. Paul writes to the Thessalonians here, He says, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. The NLT says, filling the gaps, filling the gaps in your faith. Pray this year that God would fill those gaps in your faith, that God would perfect you. You, you might say, I'm already doing good things and you're happy there, just as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.1. But we need to go further, amen? We can't be happy with where we're at. We need to grow in Jesus. We need to go further. We need to go into the promised land, not just be happy we've been on the other side of the Red Sea. But we need to go into the promised land. We need to go further. What are you capable of with the power of the Holy Ghost in you? Amen. What can you do for Jesus? It's amazing what you can do for Jesus. And it's not just about what you're doing here in church. This is great, coming to church, spending time, but it's what we do out there that matters. It's what we do when we're on the job, when we're catching the whatever it is, people we come across that we can share our testimony to, that we can share about the love of God, that we can help people, that we can show the love of Jesus to people. And who knows, maybe they may be saved. Amen. This altar is open. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, God can fill you with His Spirit this morning. We can pray for you. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God can give you His Spirit if you just let us know. We're not mind readers, most of us. And so just let us know that you want the Holy Ghost. Just like my brother, P. I went, what do you want? And he goes, I want the Holy Ghost. I laid my hands on him within minutes. Because of his faith, his hunger, he received the Holy Ghost within a few minutes, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. You can have that this morning. You can be baptised in the name of Jesus if you've repented of your sins. If you believe in Jesus Christ, we can baptise you right after this service. If you need, if you want to go further in God, Come and spend some time at this altar. Come and pray to God and ask God to help you to go further in Him. Amen. This altar is open. Let's come and spend some time at the foot of the cross. Let's come and pray to God and help us to go further in Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Ministers and leaders, if you'd like to come and pray with these also.